There's this idea that you're going to create an endpoint and you're just going to go towards it, right? <laughs> like there's some like there's an A to B and you're just going to continue in a straight line toward B, hopefully if it's a straight line up till you get to your end point, right? But we know and we've talked about a million times on this podcast that it really is about embracing change. And change is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to your business. It's going to happen to the market. It's going to happen to your target market. It's inevitable. Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every month we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and today I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, Laura Shook-Guzman. And we are excited. Woohoo! This is our 200th episode. 200! Can you believe it, Laura? Yes, we did it. We made it to 200 episodes. It's a feat. I'm so proud of us. And so just grateful for all of our listeners. It's been really, really wonderful. Yes. We have had like four years of weekly conversations. We, it is just amazing through all the life changes and all the moving and all the crazy family stuff and everything that we've gone through in business. And here we are, 200 episodes later. I'm so proud of us. We're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Hats off. We're just going to spend this time just taking a moment. (laughs) Appreciate that we pulled this off. We are illustrating how to celebrate your wins and how to pat yourself on the back, right? And all of you should be doing this too. (laughs) Absolutely. For real though, we really wanted to do a little bit of a celebration today, you know, to mark the 200th episode. And so we thought we would do a little bit of a mashup, which we did on our 100th episode and people seem to love it. We wanted to share with you what have been the top three episodes of all time and why we think those have been the top three episodes. And we also want to share with you our favorite episode each. So what is the episode that we really love doing? Because it just gives you some insight into who we are. So shall we start with our most listened to episode ever? Drum roll, da 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 Yes, what is it? All right. Episode 99, Embracing Change in Your Business. Ah, right? yes, yes. Is there a way to see whether that was uh, listened to the most in 2020? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we probably could do that. I'm not going to do that right now, though. But yeah, like I think it's interesting, right? Because it makes sense that of all times, and even up through this year that was quite listened to, that, you know, this embracing change is an important aspect and piece of running a business. You know, sometimes I see really in kind of the masculine frameworks of business, there's this idea that you're going to create an endpoint and you're just going to go towards it, right? <laughs> like there's some like there's an A to B and you're just going to continue in a straight line toward B, hopefully if it's a straight line up and you're just going consistently in growth till you get to your end point, right? But we know, and we've talked about a million times on this podcast, that it really is about embracing change. And change is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to your business. It's going to happen to the market. It's going to happen to your target market. It's inevitable. What do you think, Laura? Yes. And it needs that validation 
that reminding, uh, because human beings, we tend to resist change in everything that we do. And so in business, of course, when we have kind of a dominant culture that says a successful business is A to Z, like you said, just climb the stairs and have this uphill momentum, then that can set us up for feeling like, oh no, we, we just have to keep going. And so when something actually invites you to pause and to reflect and to shift and to change, that can be really hard if you don't have permission. And so I'm guessing that's why a lot of people enjoy that episode, because we need to hear that that's a part of business, that rather than resisting the change, it can actually be embracing the change. And many beautiful things can come from that, because that's innovation, right? Yeah. And realignment, right? Like, thank goodness we had so much change last year in 2020. I mean, I see it as a blessing because I realigned my business. I pivoted a little bit. I redid my brand. I created so much more alignment and I'm so excited about it. And I'm so happy with where I am. And that wouldn't have happened if there hadn't been that huge shift and change of COVID. Yeah. And I think maybe I named this on that episode, but in psychology, we call that a pattern interrupt. And that's exactly what it was. It was because we're all in a pattern of living our life a certain way. And when COVID happened, it was such a significant interruption to our daily lives, our daily habits and our patterns. And we would have never adopted the things that we did have to adopt if we would have been given that choice. We would have never done it. I mean, even for me personally, I've embraced a full practice telemental health. And that never would have happened because I had it in my head that I couldn't connect as much, that it wouldn't be as profound. My clients wouldn't benefit as much, but I have completely found out the opposite is true. I mean, I still feel extremely connected and there are benefits to being online that I just didn't even anticipate. Like the loss of the commute means I think I show up a lot more grounded and present for my clients than say coming from like a busy, you know, commute over. So that is really interesting to just think about at times, unless there's an interruption, we don't actually stop to change. And so that's sort of the, um, the gift, if you will, of, of change as much as we don't like it all as human beings, it can actually have such great um, benefit. And I think that's what we focused a lot on in that episode, right. Mm -hmm. Is normalizing the process and kind of pointing out its um, positive attributes. Yeah, and I think that's part of what we do a lot on this podcast and on the Feminine Lens podcast, right, is we normalize the experience that women are actually having in their business and where they're comparing themselves to what they see on the internet or what they see in social media or what people tell them they're doing. And they're like, why am I not there? Why am I a failure? Why can't I do it? Or why am I experiencing something so different than what everybody claims they're experiencing? Why is business so hard for me? But everyone else seems like they're doing so amazingly at it. Well, that's a complete illusion. And, you know, I think one of the things that we've had a mission around all this time in this podcast and the feminine lens is to be able to say you are normal. <laughs> you are. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It is that pulling back the curtain and looking at things from a real perspective, a very clear perspective. It's not a managed through social media impressions. And we do live in that culture that it's hard if you're just looking at everybody's brand, if you're just looking at the message that they're putting out to the world, it's 
easy to start feeling like, oh, am I the only one that is struggling here? Am I the only one that um, doesn't like change, you know? And so we have to be able to really talk openly and honestly, and you're right. That's what you and I've always um, had in common is that we like putting it out on the table. And so that's what we brought to these podcasts. Yes, I agree. All right. So moving on to the second most listened to podcast in the last four years and 200 episodes, episode 107, business success requires more than a laptop and an idea. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there was a backstory to that one. Like. There was, I remember like, I completely can like feel in my body seeing someone that was talking about like how easy it was to start a business now that all you needed was a laptop and an idea. And I was like, no, that is not all you need. So let me back that up. Like I will not perpetuate that myth and have all these women that I'm working with feeling horrible about themselves because that's exactly what those types of statements do yep. is that they set other people up to feel that, oh, wait, I have a laptop and I have this great idea and I can't get my business off the ground. Something must be horribly wrong with me. And yet that is not the truth because that is a myth. That is what we talked about in the episode is it takes so much more than that to get started and to keep growing and to go the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, which is not, again, like we just said earlier, the straight up trajectory line from A to Z. Yes. And you know what would be fun to talk about too, Laura, is like, because obviously when we did episode 107, that was almost 100 episodes ago or 93 episodes ago. So it was quite a long time ago. You know, and of course, as we talk about all the time, we evolve, we evolve in our business, we evolve our wisdom. So from this standpoint right now, Laura, what would you say business success requires? What's the, what's the number one thing you would say? Self-compassion. Ooh, I love it. (laughs) More than your financials or your platforms or your education self-compassion, the ability to actually be compassionate with yourself as you found and grow and expand a business is my number one superpower. I love that. And so true. And I would say for me at this point, it's the worthy work. 100%. It's the worthy work that business success requires. It's not having to do work to be worthy. So let's like clarify that. It's having to recognize and do the work so that you can recognize that you have always been worthy. From the day you were born, from your first breath, worthy. Doing nothing, worthy. Being nothing, worthy. You are worthy no matter what. And what we have to do is the work that allows us to recognize that again. Yeah, absolutely. So again, very on brand or in theme of our podcast, is that before you get to all the things that you think are the most important pieces of business, which is what you'll learn in entrepreneurial workshops around like your business plan and all of your projections, your PL, all of that important. But what we always like to start with are what are the fundamentals? That's usually around mindset, the psychology of business, so to speak, your ability to really take care of yourself. So do you have that? sense of I am worthy. I deserve to be this successful founder. I deserve an amazing business. I am worthy of it. I am of value. And I also, when I make a mistake, 
I have so much compassion when I don't do it the way that somebody else said I should or how I wished it would have gone. I have so much self-compassion so that I can take a deep breath and tend to myself and then have the energy to keep going, still knowing that I deserve that. Yes, 100%. And I think Laura and I can attest to the fact that we've worked with so many women in business over the years. And it still comes down to this holding compassion for ourselves, doing the work that is required so that we really recognize are worthy or just being worthy and feeling worthy, right? So many of those things is the work that we see. So no matter how much people present to us in business, right? And I'll have, I'll let Laura speak to this in a second. It comes down to those things. If they had more compassion for themselves, if they gave themselves more permission to just be who they are and to just be the worthy person they were born, you know, it would shift things so amazingly in their business. And that's what so much of it comes down to. I mean, what was, what's your, been your experience, Laura? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we, in this podcast and what I call, it's really embracing the soft skills, the more feminine business skills is the ability to really know yourself as a person and to be able to be compassionate and to be um, aware. I mean, I tell my clients, I said, honestly, the most important skill that I can teach you before you're going to get to any of the other ways in which you want to heal trauma or move through old fears and old patterns is going to be your ability to be compassionately aware. Mm being aware of yourself, being aware of what you want, being aware of what you fear, being aware of your dream and what is coming up any moment. Awareness in what's in the body right now while I write this check, you know, what is in the body right now before I make this client call or this sales pitch, you know, yep. so many things that we are leaving on the table if we don't tap in to what we feel in our body, what we sense and what we can become more aware of, more mindful of is a term that more people are often familiar with. Yes. Awareness is actually everything. I mean, not to veer off into a totally different tangent, but like, you know, I find so many people take awareness for granted. They have an awareness of something inside of themselves. And then they, they look at me and they, I, all my clients do this all the time. Now, what do I do with it? I'm like, no, no, awareness is the gift, right? Just staying compassionately aware is what integrates, right? It's kind of in so many ways that simple, but what happens is we become aware and then we start judging. There's no, there's not compassion and awareness there. It's like judging awareness and we're like, we have to get rid of it. Now we see it, we have to get rid of it. And I think that really creates resistance and keeps it stuck. Would you say that, Laura? Yes, exactly. Because once you get into that fix it mode, then it becomes definitely harder to move. Like you said, it's kind of this stuck when you actually sit with something. So in somatic experiencing, we actually use a prompt when we're asking people to just move through awareness, we will ask the prompt. Okay. As you notice that, so something comes into awareness, what are you noticing next? What are you noticing next? It's a very simple phrase, but it's really powerful. And you can do that with yourself as you become aware of something. The first instinct is, what am I supposed to do with that? But we want to replace that with, hmm, that's really interesting. And what happens next when I sit with this fear a little bit, when I sit with this 
curiosity, when I sit with this question, when I sit with this sensation, it's what you just said. It's the making room for something can actually bring about a really big shift because it's the integration. It's not the, okay, now use ABC to fix it. It's allow yourself to be with it long enough that something integrates or shifts. And then you notice, oh, now I notice something shifting. I notice my thought is moving into something else or my body is starting to do this or I'm breathing deeper. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I love integration. I just wish I could sit in integrative therapy all the time. (laughs) And I will tell you, it takes a lot more than a laptop and cell phone and a great idea. (laughs) It sure does for sure. All right. I love this conversation. It's awesome. All right. So number three and the last one that we're going to talk about in terms of most popular episodes ever is episode 116. And this was actually a two-part or three-part series on how over-owning responsibility is sabotaging your success. I find that so interesting. That was a good series. So if you missed it, it's episode 116. And I think there might be three parts, but there might be two parts. I can't remember. But yeah, over-owning responsibility. Oh my goodness, right? That is so many women. Yes. And I think we recorded that one for ourselves and I probably need to go back and listen to it again. <laughs> totally. I remember when we were recording that one, how I so identified with that. And I know so many women that I, that identify with that. And, you know, in this dominant culture, we're rewarded for the over care, the over extension, the over um, sensitivity to everyone else's health and well-being. And even recently, actually, as of yesterday, I think my husband and I were talking about my energy levels. And he said, you know, I've noticed that you've you've definitely worked on that. And I can tell, but I noticed that when it comes to the kids, there's still this part of you that even though I don't feel like I'm asking that of you, I feel like you're asking of yourself to always be able to do more. You're always kind of expecting yourself, you know, cause I was telling him, well, I feel kind of guilty because I need to work on this thing today. And he's like, and who's causing you to, to feel guilty because I'm not, you have, you know, I full permission for me. And he says, but you've got to give it to yourself. I'm like, I know. And so it's really interesting how he's seeing that improve for me, but mother guilt and that mm-hmm. still over-functioning for my kids is probably the last frontier on that one that might take a while. But I think that's why we recorded that one. And I love to hear so many people resonating with it because it is a personal challenge that I really resonated with. Oh, look at me too. I mean, decades of like, like, I think that I'm like done with overowning and then the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. I mean, it is definitely so rooted into my psyche to overown. And I think for a lot of women, and we talked about this on the series as well, is that, you know, overowning is actually our norm. And so we don't even know what it feels like to own appropriately, right? To to own in a way that is healthy, that actually feels bad to us because it's so foreign. Yeah. Oh, I just heard an example actually, um, a woman shared on a call where we were talking about gender equality and, and access for women in the workplace and how we handle our work responsibilities as mothers. She gave a great example, a contrast, a compare and contrast. She says, when my husband, she said, he's done great. We've really worked on the division of labor and he um, is doing half the childcare. So when he gets on 
calls, he will let the, you know, participants in the meeting know, hey, everyone, just let you know, I'm in charge of the kids, it might get a little bit loud around here. So he just sets that stage, just so you all know, and continues on with the meeting. She's like, I found that very interesting. Because when I get a call, I feel like I have when I get on that meeting, I may not tell everyone because I'm trying to manage it in the background because I'm trying to keep the kids happy, trying to keep my group on my meeting happy. I'm trying to make sure that the kids stay quiet. And so there I am over, she didn't use this term, but I'm going to use the over functioning. She's basically making everyone around her happy and she's managing their volume level, whether they're okay, whether they're comfortable or not uncomfortable. And so she says, it was just really a learning moment because I want to embrace more of what my husband did, which is that he just showed up and said, here I am. And then we obviously recognize that that is a gender imbalance as well, that for often women are judged for that behavior and men often get a free pass. But the more that women become aware and we can just own it and say, you know what? I used to apologize for having my kids in the background, but I'm just going to let you guys know that I think it's just as important that they're here, you know, that I have the right to have them here than anything else. So, you know, so it's just an interesting example of how that's a personal, an internal and an external influence. Internally, we feel like we have to overown, overfunction for things because externally, we've received a lot of that messaging for so long that it's our responsibility. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, gosh, I could just talk about family dynamics all day, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's really interesting where people get these ideas too, right? Like I I think about my two kids, two girls, 18, six, the 18 year old definitely already has over-functioning, over-owning in her makeup, right? Like whether she got that from me, whether it's past the DNA, I don't know, but like she definitely has, she's always trying to overmanage everybody. She's trying to manage the little one and, and my husband at the same time, like, and me, like she's like trying to manage everybody. She's, you know, always trying to make everybody feel comfortable, make sure people don't react, make sure no one's too unhappy. If, you know, one person gets unhappy, she's trying to manage the other people to like minimize the unhappiness. Like you can see all this working and I'm always like, you're overowning. It's not your responsibility to make everyone happy. It's not your responsibility for their emotions or reactions. Like you have to actually pull all your energy back in because she's exhausted all the time from this management, right? And then I have my little one who actually has zero desire to overmanage anyone. Like (laughs) she's like, I don't care if you're uncomfortable. I'm just going to be me. I don't care if everyone's unhappy. I'm just going to create chaos. Like there's like no, no part of her that tries to overmanage anything. And, you know, it's so interesting where these messages come up and what we see and take into ourselves that create these patterns. I just find it fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I think we should all embrace our inner six-year-old because when we imagine that, because that is an age in which you've really developed your sense of self and you're not quite, you know, she's on that verge, right. Of like entering into more social dynamics and more expectations. And we'll see like, you know, the way you all parent and the, what the type of school that she's in, there's a lot of focus on, you know, the, I would say like the balancing and non-gender, more gender diversity and gender expression, but being able to, uh, to really embrace our inner five, six-year-old would probably help us all a little bit because back in that time period, we did pay attention to what we felt and what we needed. And we 
expressed it very clearly. Yep. So it's interesting how we lose, like you said, it's just over time. And then we become these individuals and these adults. And over the years, we're rewarded for over-functioning, you know, definitely growing up as a woman in the South, there's a lot of focus on hostessing, caretaking, you know, you've got to check on everybody and make sure that everyone, and I watched my mom do that a lot, you know, growing mm -hmm. up. So it's a definite interesting piece of it. And I think in that conversation, we talked about the, the um, sort of that, the emotional labor that goes with the over-owning and the over-functioning. And anytime we have kind of that leaks in our boundaries, so to speak, then it's going to exhaust us. Yes, 100%. And I think recalibrating ourselves to what is the right level of ownership is an important process. And I know I've had extensive conversations with my clients in my group program and with one-on-ones as well, like about the confusion that people have around what is over-owning and under-owning because there's a lot of shame around doing it wrong, right? Like if you were to not over-own, you're selfish, right? Like there's, there's so much shame that's attached to our over-functioning. If we're, if we're not over-functioning, we're selfish women. If we're not over-functioning, we're callous or we have no heart or we you know, aren't caring people. So there's this really interesting piece of like, where is the balance between over-owning and under-owning? And, you know, there really is a, a right feeling. And I say feeling because it's really about your own moral compass, right? Finding the right level of ownership is about aligning with your own moral compass. And only you can, no one can come to you and say, oh, you haven't owned enough or you've owned too little because then their own stuff is getting in the way. You have to feel it, but there has to be this honesty and this willingness to really look at where are you over owning and under owning? And we're doing both. If we're doing one, we're doing both. So if we're over owning for everyone else, we're under owning for our own stuff, right? Absolutely. Every yes to someone else or something else is a no to yourself. And we are the only ones that can judge. Do I have enough bandwidth that I can keep saying yes and saying no to myself? Or is it time to say no so that I can recalibrate or refuel and rest? And we have to learn that feeling and we have to understand, I mean, this is where somatic intelligence is so important in becoming more and more aware of what does exhaustion feel like in your body? What does fatigue or depletion feel like so that you notice it really um, early? You know, my um, ability to do this, I was just reflecting, you know, actually practicing as many years as I have with body awareness, I can feel when I have a cold, I can feel like when I have something slightly off, almost an instant that I start before I have any symptoms, because I can just feel this energy and it's a different energy depletion than I get from overworking when my body starts to feel like it's fighting something. And we can become that aware in that tuned in, you know, to different things like, Ooh, is that me over committing at work? Or is this me uh, getting depleted and just exhausted? Maybe something I'm coming down with a cold or something's happening. So that ability to just tune in. And if people are like, how do I do that? It starts with just, again, awareness of body sensations. And you can just go even to a lot of these meditation apps these days. And you just put somatic or body 
what is the big body scan? Body scans are probably the most popular ones, but those are the place to start where you just like actually learn how to scan the body and notice what you feel. And those meditations will sometimes give like good languaging around starting to name our sensations. It's so powerful. Very powerful. I love it. So that's a very good series. I'd highly recommend it. I think we've actually done a lot of over-owning episodes in multiple different ways. And, you know, just so everybody knows, if you want to kind of look up, because we have a lot of podcast episodes and obviously going back to, you know, 200 episodes is hard. If you go to my website, SoniaStatman.com, I have a beautiful player under Women in the Business Arena podcast that you can search in. So you can put ownership or owning or own, and it will pull up everything we've ever done on that topic. So if that's a topic that you struggled with, there we have lots of support and lots of different, you know, episodes on that topic. I love, I love it. that. I love that you have that on your website because that's something you can't do in the iTunes app. Um, right. You know, and then you're like filtering down. Yeah. And, yeah. So just keyword, if any of these keywords from these past three episodes have stood out, then you don't even just have to have an episode number. You can go and do that keyword, pull it up. I love it. 100%. Me too. All right. So the last thing Laura and I want to do today is share with you our personal favorite episode, why it's our favorite, and just to give you a little bit of insight in how we roll. So Laura's going to start. What's your favorite episode, Laura? So my favorite goes back to number 67. So in the first 100. And the reason why it's my favorite, it was called The Truth About Mental Health and Business. And the reason I love that one so much is because my passion is really helping entrepreneurs and freelancers and everyone that's running a business to really understand the value of mental health, the importance of mental health. So in that episode, we really spoke to that. What is the truth? Why is it? Why is it so important? Because we pay attention to financial health. We pay attention to our education. We pay attention to even emotional awareness, but do we really take it as far to be like, but am I emotionally healthy enough to be able to run my business? So that was one of my favorites because of that exact thing. Yeah. So I loved it. I love that. And mental health is such an important thing for us to talk about in business as well. And so there is that piece of really being able to talk about it and get clear about it. And I love that. And for myself, you know, I think that really my favorite episode was actually a three-part series that we did. And it was, you know, episode 119 to 121. And it was all about stepping into the divine mature feminine and why this really changes everything. And it was my favorite series because I'm super passionate about really helping women to access the gifts in their feminine and not just their masculine. Like to run a business, we absolutely need our feminine and masculine. But understanding the gifts of the feminine, understanding how to use more of our feminine gifts in our business, understanding how to run our business in a way that's more aligned with who we naturally are and that has that balance, it really changes everything. And this is the reason why I do the work that I do. And this is the reason why I created The Feminine Lens, my other podcast, 
Because when we start looking through the feminine, when we understand the feminine, we access a huge amount of our potential that we didn't really see before. You know, no matter who you are, women are men, we all have access to our feminine gifts and our masculine gifts. And if you've never heard me talk about this before, I go into it in detail in this episode. But We really talk about the difference between the masculine and feminine and what happens when we really understand and step into both parts of ourselves, right? And I feel that women, especially women who are more inclined to the feminine, when they let the feminine lead in their business, it creates so much more ease. It creates so much more power really and so much more energy that they are able to be so much more successful and when we cut ourselves off to only being able to utilize our masculine tools when everything we do is through that masculine energy we get exhausted we get burnt out and we actually you know are not able to give the world our full capacity of who we are and, and what we have to offer. So I think that was really one of my favorite episodes because it really stepped into and allowed me to share the way that I've always viewed the feminine. And I think, you know, the feminine and the idea of the feminine is very misunderstood, but it's a really important part of us understanding who we are as humans and how we can most effectively operate in our business as well. So that's my favorite episode. Laura shared her favorite episode, and we have been able to share with you three of the most listened episodes we've ever had in our 200 episodes. So it's very exciting. And I guess, you know, Laura, what would you like to say to our listeners, you know, as a wrap up for today? Well, I just think, first of all, I'm grateful for all of our listeners that there's been so much interest in the podcast and that that speaks to that we are talking about the issues that matter. And so much of our inspiration comes from our lived experience as entrepreneurs. And it's just really, and as women, and it just really um, is great to, to be able to, to share this journey. Because I feel like we're on this journey together and having our listeners be able to engage in this way, it just, um, it just makes a big difference. And I feel, I'm just really feeling grateful for our time that we've been able to show up to these 200 episodes and that um, so many listeners have supported the podcast and have engaged with us and shared their responses. So wouldn't be here without all of them. So I love that. 100%. I just want to thank you all for listening. It's been an amazing journey. You know, we're not stopping. Now we're doing, obviously, the Women in the Business Arena once a month with a throwback, you know, in the second part of the month, but we really appreciate you. And we love doing this podcast. Laura and I love being able to just connect and roll with it. I mean, as most of you know, we don't plan our episodes. (laughs) We just kind of show up and we're like, let's see what unfolds. And I think that leads to some very authentic conversations and some really real experiences of what we have lived through for decades in our businesses. And, you know, we're just really appreciative for all of you for being here. And we look forward to the next 200 episodes. (laughs) All right. Thank you all. We will see you next month. I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out my other podcast, the feminine lens. 
Every week we challenge the patriarchal frameworks around business, leadership, and life by looking through a new lens, one that honors women's gifts, wisdom, and worthiness. And if you want to dive deeper into these topics for your personal or business transformation, be sure to check out my programs. I've had the honor of working with thousands of women around the globe over the last 20 years. In my programs, we do the deep, internal work that allows us to step into our worthiness and create more wealth, success, and freedom. You can find them at sonyastatman.com. Thank you.